and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. As always, I am Laura Boyle and I'm your host. This week, we're going to be talking about breakups in polyamory. So, uh, just to get a couple of pieces of housekeeping out of the way before we dive into it, uh, we're running a little bit of a poll on both Twitter and our Facebook group about what to do for our anniversary episode, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. I'm uh, looking to see if folks want to do a video episode, a sort of live recording, a little bit ahead to be re-released in podcast form uh, on the actual anniversary day. Uh, or if you want me and a bunch of guests to do this, if you want just me to do this, there's a bunch of options in the poll. So go check that out. It's in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash ready for polyamory. Or if you follow me on Twitter, which is at Laura CB, you can go there. The polls should still be running. I'm going to extend both of those if they're not, for just a couple of days past when this podcast comes out, just to make sure everybody gets a chance to vote. So, uh, go have a vote on that. Then, on top of that, as always, I want to thank our patrons from Patreon who keep the lights on here. Those are the Green Wolf Podcast, Timmy, Corwin, and Jacqueline. And of course, I would love it if you joined us there. Depending on what level you sign up at, we've got all kinds of extras and goodies there. Early releases and exclusive content. And if you sign up at the higher levels, we've even got access to free coaching uh, monthly, as well as being able to sign up for that on different platforms that I'm on uh, separately from the podcast and the blog. So uh, you can also, as always, find me at the blog, readyforpolyamory.com. And if you really like this episode or a particular blog post, you can buy me a cup of coffee, as they like to advertise, at ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory. So I think those are all of the big things for this week. We don't have a guest this week. As usual, we just have our intro and outro music by Vince Conaway, who you can find at vinceconaway.com. From there, you can find the link to his Patreon if you want to support him. He's a great guy, and I think that his sort of performance schedule is getting back to normal. You can find on his site where you can find him traveling around the country performing at mostly Renaissance fairs this summer. Um, and... Here we're going to go straight into polyamory and breakups. I've written one kind of big post on the blog about this because my personal theory is that breakups in polyamory are mostly not that different from breakups in monogamy. There's just a couple of potential complications that you can get out of being in a polyamorous network and I'm going to link to that blog post in the show notes and it turns out that the quote-unquote polyamorous authorities 
agree with me. Um, Kathy Labriola, who's the author of several polyamory books, including the Jealousy Workbook uh, and the Polyamory Breakup Book, agrees with me. Uh, in the Polyamory Breakup Book, she lists seven reasons that folks usually break up, and out of them, really only three of them have much to do with polyamory at all, and only one of them is exclusively about polyamory. So, uh, we're gonna sort of walk through the things that I think are complicating about breakups in polyamory, and we're going to touch on some of these concepts that Labriola talks about in her book during today's podcast, and I hope that some of it is clarifying and that some of it is reassuring that even though you're in lots of relationships and or potentially in lots of relationships, and that means that there's the opportunity for more breakups, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be wildly differently or wildly more of the time more heartbroken or differently experiencing this phenomenon of the breakup or that you're going to be sort of lost at sea because these are very different than monogamous breakups. So the principle sort of thing to take away is that in both polyamory and monogamy, there are plenty of reasons to break up. In the polyamory breakup book, Kathy Labriola breaks this down into seven big categories. She talks about sexuality, she talks about money, she talks about um, living situation, she talks about uh, a series of problems, addiction, I'm not holding the book in front of me, so of course I didn't make detailed enough notes to remember exactly what they are. One of them is polyamory being only part of the problem, and one of them is polyamory being the entire problem. So that means that I am one short of what the thing is. Look, I'll come back to it. But basically, it boils down to incompatibility is real in all relationships, right? Like, we've all been in relationships when we were attempting monogamy and attempting polyamory, where there were plenty of reasons to break up, and our reasons to break up don't need to be super detailed, regardless of what style of relationship we're in. I talk about this on the blog all the time. You can break up just because you're annoyed with how someone does something at a certain point, right? Or you can break up because of some deep and fundamental incompatibility. You can not want kids together and one person really does. And there you go, there's a breakup. Or it can be something as simple as like one of you choose in a way that annoys the other. I know Seinfeld did an episode about rejecting people for like their toes and that is ridiculous. But... 
there's a lot of gray area in between there that's very legitimate. And folks don't need to excuse why breakups happen. That said, you end up in a kind of world where there's a lot of really legit reasons why people break up. And as soon as they decide to, or they reach a point where these things are issues, you end up in this kind of liminal space where it's like, okay, me and my partner are incompatible for reason X, Y, Z. We talk about these incompatibilities on the blog all the time, right? You sort of, we even made a checklist (laughs) in one of the earliest posts on the blog where it's like, things to think about when you're going to date somebody. Are you practicing the same kind of polyamory? Are you looking for these things in common? Are you hoping to co-parent? Are you hoping to someday live in the same kind of space? Do you have love languages that are compatible? Or do you just express love in the same kind of way? Because Gary Chapman's kind of terrible so even though it's a useful framework maybe we'll start moving away from talking about love languages that's a little bit sad it was a useful framework but rolling on looking at all of this when you get to a point where you realize that you're incompatible with someone sometimes polyamory can kind of be a shield for that. If you have enough partners, sometimes you can use polyamory to patch over the fact that a particular relationship isn't going that well. You can say, oh, well, I'm just not going to spend that much time with this person. Or you can say, well, I have all of this good energy from spending time with Bob and Caroline. So it's okay that Alice and I are going through a rough patch. I will take all the good juju from spending time with Bob and Caroline and apply it to my interactions with Alice and bring that patience in and make it work. Right? So that's a uniquely polyamorous coping mechanism for this. And sometimes that's really positive. Sometimes that lets you get over the hump in what's a regular old long-term relationship rough patch. And sometimes it hides an incompatibility for an extra six months or year or two years before you hit a breaking point. And that's a uniquely poly problem. So that's one of the points that I bring up on the blog. And that's a point that Kathy Labriola very briefly brings up in her chapter on breakups where polyamory is a factor, but not the cause of a breakup. Where like, okay, the incompatibility was there in and of itself, but nobody was acknowledging it. 
nobody was acknowledging it because everybody had other things going on and everybody was busy and everybody had all these other commitments that they were meeting instead. And you can do that in a monogamous marriage too. You can go, oh, well, we were busy with the kids and our hobbies and our careers and we just didn't address this that closely. Right? These are not uniquely polyamorous necessarily. It's just the roundabout way you come at the coping mechanism. And we're here to talk about the polyamorous breakup problem. So we're going to talk about it from that angle. So how do we avoid doing this? We do actual relationship check-ins with our individual relationships. And not with just ourselves alone. And not with our polycule as a whole, because the polycule as a whole might stay pretty well balanced if we're managing to move energy around between these different relationships, and some of them are new, and the other people have pretty good relationships, right? It might only be one relationship that isn't going that well. That's the breakup that Kathy Labriola in her book thinks of as partially caused by polyamory and I think of as kind of hidden by polyamory. The either entirely caused by polyamory or created by a situation of a polycule breakup is the one that I had forgotten because I've been using this term for more than 10 years, breakup, is the polydominoes breakup. Uh, apparently, either Labriola or someone who she's in regular conversation with is who coined this term. And me and my friends, uh, who at the time I met in Montreal but they're originally from British Columbia, were the ones who introduced me to this term, and we've been using it to talk about when these breakups happen for at least a decade. And polydominoes is when one large relationship in a polycule or a sort of central relationship to a polycule falls down, <laughs> breaks up, and the relationships around them also break up. And Labriola talks about this in her book. She calls it playing high stakes polydominoes. You knock over one piece and all the pieces around it start to fall too. And what happens there is if somebody was sort of the linchpin for a situation everyone starts rolling downhill. And this is particularly difficult because it's hard to predict. There's no way to know which relationship in your polycule is the one that's going to do this because it's not always obvious what's a center. It's not necessarily the one that you notice as the people who invite everybody over that's going to do it, although that one almost certainly will as well. 
But sometimes it's just that if you get the right pair of metas who don't like each other very much and that hinge ends up breaking up with one or both of them, then one of those metas will be sort of too upset and have difficult relationships with their partners that are left and then those partners will be what Labriola calls poly unsaturated where they're left without a high level of uh, emotional support in their lives and they overcompensate in terms of requiring support from the partners around them and those partners don't have the bandwidth to handle it. So then those relationships end and those relationships then were holding up some other social network portion. It ends up spreading out much further than anyone expects. And these connections often go way deeper in one's community than we ever noticed. And these connections and interconnections, although we technically know that they're there, because, you know, we could sit there and draw a little network map of polycules that interconnect if we really wanted and go, okay, this constellation connects to this constellation, connects to, okay, that person's dating this person who lives and that one's got an LDR there so you can connect to this town, to Boston, and that goes into that polycule and they meet at a conference three times a year so it all goes. But then... You don't think about it until something falls apart and you realize that, wait, I've just looped it back so that my friend who I didn't realize was connected to any of this is now sad about the same breakup as my close friend who broke up with their partner here anyway it I have had a full sort of loop through three major cities of a polycule that I didn't realize were connected in any way shape or form and had to have someone draw a diagram for me to realize how what I would normally think of as four polycules were connected to figure out how any of it worked. And while some of that is just, oh, I didn't know there were long-distance relationships connecting those, some of it is these games of dominoes with people's relationships really happen to a much greater extent in polyamory than could happen in monogamy. In monogamy, you get a little bit more of the, oh, 
let's have a stereotypical thing you'd see in a TV show of somebody having a bad coping mechanism week where they're going to go and drink their sorrows away in the bar. Not that some polyamorous people don't do that as well. But in polyamory, you get the, well, while I'm doing that, I'm going to offend my existing partner to the point where now I've got a second breakup happening. And I think the great thing about Labriola's book is that she explains that in a concept that she calls polyunsaturation, where you get to the point where you're lacking a major partner in your life, and in so lacking, your needs aren't being met, and you end up shifting them on to your remaining partners in an unexpected and sudden format that they're not prepared to meet in terms of bandwidth. I'm going to link uh, her book in the show notes, uh, and just full disclosure, it is an affiliate link, but like, whatever, you can get it from there or elsewhere. It's a really good book in terms of explaining this and other stuff. Um, the one thing her pretty clear and well thought out description of these games of dominoes didn't include is that it's not just a matter of needing to have needs met and impress upon partners that you need whatever it is that you need at a given time, but also that people hit a point of kind of excessive jealousy and, for lack of a better word, kind of FOMO about what other partners get at this point where they lose a first partner, right? They especially if they've lost a kind of anchor partner or a nesting partner, they hit a point where they're like, wait, why don't I get whatever it is that your other partners are getting? And how dare it be that you're still going out and doing all of those things with those people and I'm not automatically included in it? Let me cause a big fight about it. And that creates a whole series of the kind of fights that cause the domino breakups. And I guess I just want to note that because those are the sorts of things to watch out for following a poly breakup. Because if you can kind of watch yourself the same way that, for example... I did, or I still do, following breakups for bad behavior in terms of coping mechanisms around uh, substance abuse behaviors and uh, the quote-unquote getting over somebody by getting under somebody. Uh, you can also watch yourself for behaviors in terms of 
being overly aggressive with other partners about things that were perfectly fine before for them to be doing with other partners, right? Like, you don't need to be overly envious and overly jealous at them. You can still feel these things, right? All of your feelings are valid, but your reactions are your own responsibility still and always, right? And I don't want to be like over the top. It's your own problem and you can't ask for reassurance because that's not the message I'm sending here. But it has to be phrased as a request for reassurance and not aggression. Because if it's phrased as aggression, that's how you end up losing partners. Um, and I don't want to be preachy or like crazy about that. But as a general concept, that's kind of true. One of the concepts that Labriola brings up as a not a poly breakup concern, but a general potential breakup concern that polyamorous people have slightly more trouble with is cohabiting. Um, and I'm going to link to a book on polyamorous households in the show notes because it's got some ideas about building your own household because the big problems as she kind of outlines them are finding personal space, keeping personal time and space, and managing to continue that in a sort of long-term way. And as somebody who has cohabited in a V and managed to do that with all the relationships intact for four years and then with not all the relationships intact for a further two but with all the adults still living in one place <laughs> um, it is certainly really challenging and management of space and of personal time are really the biggest concerns and so kind of thinking about is cohabiting the best thing for your relationships if you're going to do it in a group and if it is what is sort of that shift to being the practical everyday partner going to do to your relationship and whether those changes are going to be positive for you or negative for you and how are you going to handle that shift is really important because it can lead to a lot of these breakup or near breakup conversations and concerns. A lot of people. So there's that awful awful Dan Savage quote where he goes, I've been to a lot of polyamorous commitment ceremonies but I've never been to a third anniversary because he's an asshole. But the truth is 
that it's really hard to cohabit even if you're monogamous. Lots of monogamous people move in before they get married and then either decide they don't want to get married or decide that moving in worked okay, but they need to live in a bigger place because, like, living together is real hard and you need to have enough space to be able to hide from one another. Not in a bad way, but in a, like, you need to be able to walk into the other room when things are upsetting. And so figuring out personal space when there are three or more of you in a given space is something that is worth figuring out. And I think especially after this last year, after the pandemic, when a lot of people's strategy for figuring out personal space was like, well, there's room for two of us to be in separate spaces and the third person to be outside has been an interesting transition when sometimes weather didn't allow that and everyone was home and there were also children home for many people. A lot of people had to learn an awful lot about the spaces they were in and the place their relationships were in. And so it ended up, I think, elucidating a lot for a lot of people. And it made me very glad that I was no longer residing in the same space as my co-parents who I was not or who I am not with any longer because that would have been a very strange experience. <laughs> it was already kind of getting to be a strange experience. But regardless, uh, we're all, I think, figuring out a lot of these things as we go along. But sort of the crux of this subject is that all of the things that you learned about how to have a good breakup, the sort of general rules of not being a dick, about trying to do this directly and in person and kindly, still apply. There's not some magic like hill I can give you to make you better at this because you're polyamorous. You are probably going to have more breakups because you're going to have more relationships. They're going to hurt because they're intimate relationships, right? But what they're also going to do is have been meaningful relationships. And they'll very rarely have had breakups because of polyamory itself. There are a couple situations that Labriola's book suggests polyamorists do break up because of polyamory itself. And she says that those are picking monogamous people to have relationships with, picking partners who want a very different model of open relationship than you do, and managing your time and energy really badly. So I think all of those are pretty self-evident. Like if you 
are looking to be consensually non-monogamous and you want to date someone who is monogamous, you probably are going to have a bad time. Like, polymono relationships can work out, but only if the monogamous person is really open to you continuing to be polyamorous, only if they come in with their eyes totally open, only if they're a particularly not jealous person, and really only if you kind of win the lotto on that one. So it happens very rarely, but it's not common at all. So that's a sort of self-evident, this is a reason polyamorous breakups happen because of polyamory. Then the next one, picking somebody who wants a very different kind of non-monogamy than you do, that's just a fundamental incompatibility. So just like it's a fundamental incompatibility if one person wants kids and the other doesn't in any kind of relationship, if one person is basically a super non-hierarchical borderline relationship anarchist and the other person is a strictly hierarchical, really wants that structure of primary, secondary, yo, hey, we're going to move in together and go all the way up the escalator. You're going to be my primary. You're never going to do any of XYZ things with anyone else. We're going to hold these things exclusive to us person. Those are going to be pretty big incompatibilities that are likely to break them up somewhere down the line. And then time management it's just a matter of bandwidth like at some point if you have too many things on your plate you're gonna drop something at some point and the person you're trying to see will give up at some point they're gonna go okay you're not putting in the effort to spend time with me you're not meeting plans that we made, you're dropping dates, you're whatever it is, I'm not going to keep making plans with you. So these are sort of, to some extent, uniquely poly reasons. I think time management can be a thing for lots of other reasons. There are like career people who also end up with poor time management breakups in monogamy. But in general, those are the big polyamorous reasons for breakups. Uh, she lists jealousy as a potential polyamorous reason for breakups, but she also notes that jealousy is the least common of these reasons because jealousy is also potentially a monogamous reason for breakups and jealousy is the least common because most polyamorous people both work through their jealousy and sort of mutually have it and are reassuring of each other as they work along through it. In general, polyamorous people are supportive enough of their partners 
and prepared to sort of put in the work for all of this such that breakups have a little bit less power to tear apart the fabric of how a polycule interacts unless they're caused by something like these metas really didn't get along and now the whole polycule is collapsing, right? And so we end up with these extremes of breakups caused by polyamory either are the most damaging or the very least. And so breakups within polyamory can either be extremely garden variety, exactly like monogamy, or very different and very chill, very we're going to transition to just being friends, we're going to like work it out and none of this is a very big deal, or really damaging and things are going to need a lot of finesse to make sure that we're not sort of exploding stuff. And I think regardless of it, it's just as with all things in polyamory up to folks to know themselves and to work with themselves and their partners to make sure that they're keeping track of how they're feeling to keep track of where they're at so that they don't do things like patch over problems for months or years before they address them so that it doesn't get to the point of being explosive so that it doesn't get to the point of oh well now I'm dramatically overreacting to my breakup or so that it doesn't get to the point of my breakup is caused by this big huge problem right and all of it is just from us within ourselves and from us in conjunction with our partners and doing regular check-ins will help us deal with all of it a little bit more easily And I know that sometimes doing regular check-ins can kind of feel really unnecessary or feel excessive. Um, And I feel that way sometimes too, because I'm like, I've been doing this for more than a decade. Why do I have to do this, right? But then I'm like feeling a bunch of big feelings and need a bunch of reassurance and I'm like oh wait if I'd kept up with my regular check-ins instead of gone I don't need to do this for a couple of months we're fine I could have dealt with this before these feelings were quite so big so then I start doing them again for quite a while so I really do recommend that everybody keep up with them instead of be like me and keep up with them for a little while and then get lazy about it for what it's worth 
<laughs> that said, guys, uh, I hope that everybody has a wonderful week and I'll see you all next week. So, as always, the sort of standard plugs, you can find me at the blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can find me on social media at Ready for Polyamory on uh, Instagram and on Facebook at the Facebook group, which is Ready for Polyamory. And I have a page also Ready for Polyamory, although Facebook's trying to like half kill those. Um, you can find me uh, at Patreon, which is also patreon.com slash ready for polyamory. Uh, if you liked this episode or any particular blog post, you can tip me at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. And our intro and outro music is provided by the talented Vince Conaway, who's at vinceconaway.com. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. Bye.